and I'll be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin School. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use a true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles, not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is a title that a creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable, is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud is no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, 
what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern. And absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First up, you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which is once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of a mortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading tonight will be 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and that will please be read by Dr. Jake Piontek of the Green Bay, Wisconsin School. And if we could begin class with a prayer from Dr. Dave, David Klopach, also from the Madison, Wisconsin School. Thank you. Good evening, class. Let's all bow our hearts and minds uh, unto Yahshua. Thanks, Yahshua, for letting us get together tonight to talk about you, learn more about your purpose, learn more about your plan and how you died for us and you are our savior and that we need a savior and um, that with your grace, we are saved. Thank you, Yahshua, for letting us be able to learn about you. Thank you for opening our minds to want to know more. Um, and thank you for the desire to learn. With that, let's say hallelujah. All righty. 
I'll be reading from a King James version of the Bible, substituting the incorrect and uh, names for the true and correct names. First Corinthians, the 15th chapter. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Yahshua died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen at Cephas, then of the twelve, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I am persecuted because I persecuted the church of Yahweh. But by the grace of Yahweh, I am what I am. And his grace was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of Yahweh, which was, in, was, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Yahshua be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Yahshua is not risen. And if Yahshua be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, we, and we are found false witnesses of Yahweh, because we have testified of Yahweh that he raised up Yahshua whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead not dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then it is not Yahshua raised. And if Yahshua be not raised, your faith is vain. You are not yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Yahshua are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Yahshua, we are all, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Yahshua risen from the dead, and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Yahshua shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Yahshua the first fruits, afterwards they that are Yahshua's at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall be delivered unto up the, up the kingdom to Yahweh, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign, till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is expect, accepted, <clears throat> which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, 
then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that Yahweh may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts, with beasts at Ephesus, which what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of Yahweh. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but Yahweh giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, and there is one kind of flesh of of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man or the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Elohim from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And and as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of Yahweh, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the corruptible must be put on incorruption and this mortal must be put must put on immortality so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality 
then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to Yahweh, which giveth us the victory through our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of Yahweh. For as much as we know that your labor is not in vain in Yahweh. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Thanks, Jake. Thank you very much. Our readers this evening will be Dr. Karen Gagno of the Madison, Wisconsin School and Dr. Jake Piontek of the Green Bay, Wisconsin School. Our backup reader will be Dr. B. Gordon from the Chicago, Northside Chicago class. Welcome, everyone. We're glad that you are here tonight. Thank you for coming out and studying with us. We really appreciate it. Also, we welcome anyone that's watching this on YouTube now or in the future. We're glad that you took the time to join in. We'll have a three-speaker format tonight with each speaker receiving approximately 35 minutes. Our first speaker that we'd like to call on the floor is Dr. Tracy Wilcox of the Arcport, New York class. Thank you. I, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm not sure if I'll be able to stay on and share because I'm really not feeling well. But if Yasha is willing, I would love to share with you a couple of things that he gave to me the last couple of days. And I've had a couple of different things on my mind um, from Sunday's class. Um, I they worked with the scripture a thousand years as a day and a day is a thousand years. And I remembered years ago when um, I had taught that you can show the death, burial, resurrection and then um, in the days of creation, and then death, burial, resurrection again. And this is pointing to Yahshua and is spoke of in our fourth verse today. And there's so much in the scripture that I got to take a peek at yesterday but I don't have it all organized yet, so I'm not sure if I want to um, share that yet. Or the thing that um, he came today is there is a beautiful uh, current event right now, and it shows what time we are in the creation and what Yahshua is doing. And that is with the um, great fire in the Mojave Desert right now in California and how that um, the Joshua trees are on fire. 
and believe in um, the creation as it were. It's, it's very, 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 very timely. And right before class, I had just wrapped up my scriptures working on that one. And so I'm so torn and I'm not trying to waste time, but I'm not sure which one I should share. But I think I would really like to share the current event. Would that be okay with you, Steve? Oh, I was rooting for it. You got it. Okay. And then some other time I really want to share with you the days of creation. But so we're going to um, just skirt that for a second. And we know that through coming to this class, that everything that um, Yeshua has shown to us through this vision and this revelation, we never knew before we come to class, just absolutely didn't know one thing at all. And he has shown us so much and um, that creation is here to teach us. And first I want to show you the current event that Yahshua is just wrapping this creation up at the very last bits. Um, and then I want to share, share with you, walk down the book, how that he makes his ministers flames of fire, because Yahshua showed me that today. So um, I just, let's jump right in, and I'm going to take some liberties, but if you have any questions, please see me after class, or text me, or email me, call me, because I, um, I, I just want to hope it's clear. Ben. And I link for the um, chat that might be helpful. Um, Explorement in the most holy part. In most holy place, you there's a reflection of it in earthly or in the court roundabout. So you, it's fun to see that you have a principle of. Um, fire being in the court roundabout also um, in this particular article. So you have fires above and fires below. And um, this, I'm going to tell you just lots and tittles so that we don't have to waste time um, reading the whole article, but I will um, go back and give you uh, links and, or if Sasha can give you links, I can give them to you also. Um, it is um, the Joshua trees are being consumed by the fires right now. And the Joshua trees are actually not a tree, but they are a succulent plant. And what a succulent plant is, is they hold water, a vast amount of water, very similar to what a cactus does. Um, so if you have a piece 
of oftentimes in the past, Joshua trees have been able to make it through a fire because um, like the outside will be scorched, but some on the inside is saved and it holds so much water. So it still has viability. So typically they can um, make it through a fire, but this fire is so intense and so all consuming and it's um, wild invasive grasses that started the fire that they're literally wiping out all of the Joshua trees. And it was quoted um, in this art article that says, historically in general, deserts tended to burn fairly infrequently. And that's one of the reasons why you have a lot of these long lived plants that can grow in the big giant Joshua trees or uh, saguros in the Sonoran Desert. This is um, in the Mojave Desert area of the most holy place of the core of the uh, United States. Uh, more and more invasive plants, especially invasive grasses grown in the desert areas, they're able to carry fire and burn these long-lived plants and cause a change in the fire regime. Um, and let's see. Um, if there are too many fires that happen in the same place over and over again, they can eliminate Joshua trees and other plants and turn it into some other type of vegetation. Um, Joshua trees will restore themselves, but um, in there they suggest that maybe they can um, drop more seed to bring back more of these Joshua trees because this is a con conservation um a uh, concern. Okay. Um, they stated in the article, Joshua trees are leaving the earth and we won't see them again in our lifetime. So immediately when I saw that in the article, because we know that um, Joshua was actually Joshua in body, um, and he's the first, oh, well, anyways, that Joshua was just leaving the building as it were. And in another article about these Joshua trees, it stated that there's great wind and fire tornadoes right now. And I thought of the rushing mighty wind. And um, so there's there's just tons and tons and tons and tons of jots and tittles. Um, if anyone wants to text me or contact me, I'll share tons, tons more. I just wanted to grab a couple that um we're in this article just that it appears oh yes was leaving the uh, you know it's wrapping this thing up we know that the creation came in in fire because when um moses was called up into the mount and given the vision um it was a fiery cloud that sat upon the mount um that was yahweh and moses was called up into that mount and he saw the creation come in. So it came in a fire, and we know the end declared from the beginning. So it be going out in fire. And we know that um, we could get uh, scriptures like first, oh, second Thessalonians 1, 7, and 8, to you who are troubled, rest with us. For I'm giving you the principle because I'm not. I don't have that um, my book open right now, but Yahshua will take flaming vengeance on them that know not Yahweh. So 
let's back and look at just for a second. And I know I'm all over the map. I just got to ask for your patience because I, I'm really sick. <laughs> um, but let's, let's go back and look at our examples that he has given to us, how that Yahweh um, presented himself as fire to Moses um, on multiple occasions, and also to the children of Israel as a fiery cloud. And um, and let's walk that down the book and take a look at it, because it's going to show us something at Pentecost, because he makes his ministers a flame of fire, and fire won't burn fire, as it were. And we have examples in the creation for that. It just it, 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 um, powers it. Um, I'll stop talking and we'll jump right in the scriptures. In Exodus, the third chapter, we have uh, the burning bush, and it's Yahweh speaking to Moses, Yahweh Elohim speaking to Moses out of the bush. And this is where he gives his name to Moses for the first time. He hadn't given it to man prior to that. He was known as El Shaddai. And he told Moses in the bush um, that his name was Yahweh, and he gave him a description, Aya Asher Aya, or I will be what I will to be. And then it brought it down to Moses's level, telling him that he's the Elohim of Jacob, the Elohim of um, the um his brethren, so he's given him a description. So he, he, so Moses, he is given a vision, and he turns aside. And you can read about this in Exodus, the third chapter. Moses is given the name, and we know from Psalms one fifty and six, everything that has breath, praise Yahweh, praise ye Yahweh. And if you look up breath. Breath means spirit. So we have in the burning bush, we have um, fire and an angel and the name and um, all in one. And it sounds like a busy bush, but it's not. It's just Yahweh giving a revelation, a vision and a revelation to Moses. You have the name and the breath, spirit of Yahweh. See? Um, so then, um, and um, you have a witness on yourself with your lungs and the burning bush called a bronchial tree. And you breathe that name spoken of in Psalms 150 and 6. You breathe the name Yahweh. And that was one of my most favorite things when I first come to class. We're praising his name and praying just by breathing, just by breathing. And um, there's another, um, and YHWH, which is the Tetragrammaton, or the name of Yahweh, the four consonants, um, those are glides, and it doesn't take work um, to um, pronounce. You just, his name comes forth by breathing, and um, it's pretty because um, breath and spirit and name all go together. And there's another example in the creation with, um, there's a plant called um, Euonymus elatus, which means winged, uh, no, um, 
look, can someone look it up? Because I'm going to tell you wrong, but it ties you right back to the burning bush and also to your lungs, which are on fire, that name coming forth. Um, as an example, Ewanimus elatus is a burning bush, and um, it means, I think it means winged messenger, or it ties right back into the burning bush. Do, does someone need me to spell that? Whoops, did I lose you guys? Yeah, no. Well, okay. So I'm on Wikipedia. What do, what do you look at? Okay, thank you. I want the meaning of the word euonymous elatus because it'll take you to angels and the name and the and it is a burning bush. That's the kind of plant that it is. And the scientific name is called euonymous elatus. Okay. Name and angel. I think it just takes you to name and angel. Okay. Um, just in Wikipedia, it says uh, it's, the, it's known as the winged spindle or the winged unanimous. Okay. Unanimous. Okay. Go ahead. It'll mean. Okay, go ahead and look for that, please. And um, and I will. Um, I'm just going to keep going because I'm. I got. I have a race. I got to run, and I got lots I want to share. And um, but we'll get you that reference. Um, because we do not want anybody to believe, and what anyone says down here. But check it out. Ask for witnesses. Don't accept anybody. Not me. Not a dean. Nobody's word. Check it out for yourself. So, um. The first thing Moses was given was the name. And we know that the name comes forth on your breath. And what's really pretty is when someone's dead, what they give them is CPR or patterned breathing to make that name come forth. And we walk in the door in class um, not knowing one single thing about our Heavenly Father at all. We walk in carnally minded and dead. See, and the first thing we're given is a name. Isn't that pretty? And the first thing that you look for when babies been born is um, once they pass through the um, canal is you're waiting for them to shout, yeah, or for the name to come forth. Because prior to that, they're breathing the amniotic fluid. So, um, so, so, the, so life, the beginning, you're looking for that name. See, do you have that, Karen? Um, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. You keep looking. We're not finding the angel part. We're finding winged in burning bush, but no angel. Winged will. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> an angel is a winged messenger. <laughs> um, that's okay. Um, I wonder if you can find it by going into the.
connections. And with uh, the children of Israel at the Red Sea, he said to stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. And Yahweh um, was um, working with Moses. Um, and when they were at the Red Sea, um, they had Pharaoh and his host on their tail, and they had um, the Red Sea before them. And that fiery cloud, Yahweh was in in the cloud. Now, from our moderation, Yahweh is um, not a cloud, but he represents himself as a cloud because a cloud has no particular shape and form, just as stated in Exodus, the third chapter to Moses, Aya, Asher, Aya, or I will be what he wills to be. See, and for for teaching purposes, he was a fiery cloud um, to lead the children of Israel, and they were never in dark. So it was a um, fiery cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, so that they're never in dark to lead the people. And when they're at the Red Sea, um, Moses tells them to stand still and see the self. And did ground until the last sun was through, children of Israel was through. And as they went through, that fiery cloud was right above them because they were led by the cloud. So the reflection of that fiery cloud on the water, they passed through that fiery cloud to the other side safely and didn't get wet and didn't have a smell of fire on them. And um, then after the last Israelite was through, um, um, Yahweh shut that door and Pharaoh and his host were drowned in the sea. So they were saved. The children of Israel were saved and they sang a song of victory. So the fiery cloud that reflected on the water, um, uh, they went through the fire, but weren't they weren't consumed. They weren't drowned in it. They weren't fire, no trouble. And that's an example exactly. And that's an example exactly like with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Um, and the fourth one, um, those boys were thrown into a fiery furnace um, for being obedient to um, the gospel. And um, they, when they were in the furnace, um, the ones that threw them in were burned up. And when they looked into the furnace, they saw four men walking because the son of man or Yahshua was with Meshach, Shadrach, and Bendigo. And they come out not a smell of smoke on them. And um, so they're in the fire or and not consumed. So let's, so I did a little couple segues there, but let's go back to the children of Israel and remember that Yahweh is um, in the fiery cloud leading them. And um, that fiery cloud, it settled on the mount. You can get that in Exodus 19, 18 through 20. And Yahweh called Moses 
up into the mount. So Moses went up with his minister, Joshua, the son of Nun. And we know from coming to class that it was Yahshua who escorted him right up the mountain. And in those three trips to the mount, Moses was given a vision. And in the third trip on the mount, um, Moses was given an understanding or a revelation of what he saw. He was given a revelation of the vision and his face shone. That's in Exodus 34, 29 through 35. This is a type of Pentecost, how Moses was lit up. He was given understanding, kind of like when we used to read the comics and um, when somebody understood something, they would have like a light bulb um, over their head within that um, caption cloud. See, um, they understood or they had a revelation. They were lit up. And that's what happened to Moses. And all these types and shadows are um, to pointing to um, you, you'll see to what Yahshua has done. And we know that um, from coming to class that he makes his ministers a flame of fire. And that's Psalms 104 and 4, that's the prophets. And then um, it's that same uh, verse is repeated in Hebrews 1 and 17. And um, we know that um, men walk as trees um, um, because Mark 8 and 24, because men and trees both have a trunk, a crown, limbs, roots, ability to communicate, um, ability to um, share nutrition. These and men have these um, principles in common. So you can see how men walk as trees. And so... Um, 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 he um, lights up or makes like men walk as trees and they're like a uh, they're on fire but not consumed and we can see this in the example and all this is because of what Yasha has done for us and he is the head and we are the body and we know that um, in the creation you have in fall um, there are um, there are evergreen trees that stay green and full of life. And the other kind of trees, those are called conifers. And then the other kind of trees are called deciduous. And deciduous trees you're familiar with, like maples, oaks, those have leaves. And they look like they're on fire. They're gorgeous in fall because they have the red and the orange and the yellow. It looks like the whole creation's on fire. But they drop their leaves, see? And evergreens stand green and full of life right through the fire or right through fall, they stay green. And so they're an example of um, the suns um, being on fire and not being consumed. And there is a type of tree that looks like an evergreen tree, but it's not an evergreen tree. And that is a larch tree. And those turn yellow in the fall. Um, but all of these examples are um, um, examples of by Yahshua's um, death, burial and resurrection and outpouring of his Holy Spirit. 
um, he has made us um, ministers or um, on fire because of the teaching that he gave us. And the very first thing that he gives us is his name. See, and is then um, we get an understanding we get an understanding or we're preached the law and the prophets, which point to and show forth Yahshua. And for the first time in our life, we have witnesses about the Messiah to know that he did actually um, have a crown of thorns. He did die. He did go through a burial, a resurrection. He was pierced in the side because we can look at um him, the witnesses in the law and the prophets, and to know for the first time, see? And then um, and then on the day of Pentecost, he gives you a revelation of the things that was preached unto you in the vision through the law and the prophets, just exactly like when Moses was um, given vision and then a revelation, and then he, he was... And then he was lit up. Okay, thank you. And you have um, in back to the current event, um, the whole um, the creation, as mentioned, was on um, brought in in fire. And we know the end declared from the beginning is going to go out in fire. And you can see that when you look at um, John's vision, um, um, cause John is seeing it, um, back to front and Moses is seeing it front to back, same vision. And, um, and the, and it's all in fire and, um, you don't, oh, so, um, so Yahshua's just really wrapping this up. So when, when we see these things happening in the creation, it's to let you know what time it is. And um, Yahshua has given us so much of an understanding um, and um, with and the gift of his Holy Spirit and and that causes his sons to be able to make it through the fire and not be not be they can come out without the touch of smoke on them, not be hurt in any way at all. And I just want to get Second Thessalonians 1, 7, and 8, and I'll be done. And um, I'm awfully sorry if that was all over the place. I, I have to ask for just your patience, and, um, and I hope that something was gained out of it. And um, if anything be gained... Um, all the praise and glory goes to Yashua. If there's any questions at all that I can help, because I'm sure this was a mess, um, I will just get a hold of me. And um, could we get 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 8? Yep. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7. Yep. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. So if any any of you are troubled troubled in the flesh or in your soul rest with us rest in this teaching rest in this gospel of yashua the messiah go ahead when the savior yashua shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels yep in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not yahweh and that obey not the gospel of our savior yashua the messiah yep and um that 
principle of the most holy place is where a revelation took place on the day of atonement when Yahweh appeared amongst the witnesses. See, and um, and um, it's a most holy place principle of revelation. And um, if you're troubled, rest in Yahshua. He provides atonement through his son, Yahshua's Messiah, and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And um, it's a, if you see where you are on the trek, um, Moses, it appeared like Moses took the children of Israel through the trek, but it was Joshua behind the scenes um, telling them what to do. And we know that that was Yahshua the Messiah. And right at the veil at Mount Nebo, Moses was allowed to peek over, but not take the children of Israel over. It was um, Joshua, the son of Nun, who was able to take the children of Israel over. Um, and 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 if you read Joshua, the 24th chapter, um, Joshua declares that he took care of every bit of them the whole way. You have a revelation that it was his work. And it was Yahweh was salvation the whole way. And that's a revelation at the end. So I'm uh, all praise to Yahshua. Hallelujah. Thank you. Our next speaker will please be Dr. Sasha Rachmilievich of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Oh, good evening, everyone. Can you hear me well? Mm-hmm. Great. Um... Well, it's good to be here. I really enjoyed what uh, Tracy uh, went to uh, talking about the current events. And we know from being in this class how everything uh, in the Bible and in the uh, current events in the history is uh, pointing to uh, Yahweh's purpose. And Yahweh's purpose is... Uh, you know, not difficult to understand because it's expressed in the name Yahshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. Um, so what was on my mind when the scripture uh, reading was read, and just to work a little bit uh, with the one aspect of the uh, scripture reading, which was First Corinthians 15 chapter. So please start reading from the beginning. First Corinthians 15 and 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Thank you, Jake. I will be uh, interrupting you. Um, so... Paul is talking about the gospel. The gospel means it's good news. And the first speaker was talking about the gospel uh, in the end, about the vengeance on those uh, who are not going to uh, uh, believe you know, in the gospel of Yahshua, uh, 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 the Messiah. So gospel is uh, important. So what are you know, what the, these good news? Uh, continue reading, please. Verse 2. By which also you are saved, and if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So we are saved by the gospel. Continue on, please. Verse 3. 
For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Yahshua died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Thank you. So the gospel, as Paul defines it, is uh, how uh, Yahshua uh, died uh, for our sins according to the scriptures, how he was buried and how he rose on the third day according to the scriptures. And there are three uh, important, at least uh, three important principles, you know, in this um, just one sentence which we uh, read and uh, the religious world is largely uh, misunderstood uh, these principles. First, we uh, read how, so how it needs, it's not like that Yahshua died for our sins, which is just the event, but how. And if you look up how, which we're not going to do it because then I won't have time to go into what I would like to go to. So, but if you look up how it means, by what reason, by what purpose, but what name, so it needs uh, explanation into it. Second, very important uh, point is uh, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua, the Messiah, according to the scriptures. And uh, in the uh, Christian churches, when I uh, visited Christian churches, I heard the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, when Paul was writing uh, this letter to Corinthians, the scriptures he is referring to, like in all other places in the Bible, the scriptures are the writings in the Old Testament of the Bible from uh, Moses to Malachi. They, they are not the writings of um, Matthew, uh, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not to say that these writings are not important, uh, but that's not what the scripture were. So to really uh, teach uh, or preach the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, as it was uh, supposed to, we have to go to the witnesses in the law and uh, in the prophets. So that's uh, the second aspect. The third aspect, and that's what I would like to uh, focus on in uh, several minutes which I have, is that it's not just Yahshua uh, died, was buried and rose again on the third day, but uh, why he did it, it says, in uh, uh, verse three or verse four, how he died for our sins. So Yahshua died for our sins. That's very important part of the gospel. And it's important, uh, at least, uh, you know, twofold importance. First, because uh, Yahshua took upon himself the penalty uh, for sins. So we, he took uh, pretty much our uh, guilt upon himself. He became a sin for us. Uh, he didn't have any sin. He, uh, he was sinless uh, in contrast to all other uh, living uh, people. But he died as, 
as the lamb in the, in the time of uh, Moses under this old covenant would uh, die for the guilty person. Uh, the same way uh, Yahshua uh, died for uh, our uh, sins, the lambs and the animals in the Old Testament of the Bible, the animal sacrifices, I should say, represent or they were allegorical of Yahshua's death. And uh, in Christianity, they uh, do agree that uh, Jesus Christ, as they call, erroneously called Yahshua, uh, he forgave our sins or he took uh, the punishment of uh, our sins upon himself. But there is a second aspect of it. So Yahshua didn't only take the punishment of uh, our sins upon himself, but uh, he removed the sins from us. In other words, that those who believe in the gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah, and who become the recipients of the Holy Spirit, they don't continue to sin. Uh, the Holy Spirit, which is, uh, you know, the, uh, its righteousness of Yahweh, it makes people righteous in Yahweh's eyesight. And uh, there are witnesses in the law about it. For example, uh, uh, I don't want to go there because, again, uh, there's a certain aspect I would like to talk about, but if you go in, um, I think it's 20, uh, no, 16th chapter of Leviticus, as I, uh, if I remember correctly about the Day of Atonement. So on the Day of Atonement, the high priest uh, had two sacrifices, had two goats, one goat for the uh, sins of the uh, people, so it had to be uh, uh, burned, but another goat, which was called the scapegoat. So the sins of the people symbolically were transferred upon this uh, scapegoat when the high priest Aaron would lay uh, hands upon uh, this goat and therefore symbolically transferring the sins of Israel. And then this goat was uh, let go in the wilderness outside of the camp. So in other words, symbolically, the sin was removed from the Israel because uh, Israel was in the camp around this tabernacle, but the goats with the sins upon him was far away, just showing that uh, Yahshua took uh, away um, our uh, sins by his uh, sacrifice. And in Christianity, they don't believe that this uh, happened. They continue, they, uh, they teach that uh, even uh, when people believe uh, uh, in the gospel, uh, they continue to sin because as long as people are in the flesh, they continue to sin. And that's what this uh, kind of aspect I would like to touch upon what's what's happening and how uh, how Yahshua removes uh, sin 
uh, from the people uh, by the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, how people kind of corrupted it and have uh, erroneous uh, ideas based on the false understanding of, um, you know, what's uh, happening. So, um, well, first, let's define what the sin is. According to the Bible, if you go to uh, 1 John 3rd chapter, you'll find out that it says that the sin is the transgression of the law. And now we have to uh, understand that, you know, what, what do we mean by the law? So the law, um, if, if you look in this chart, Moses chart, it was the Mosaic law given to children of Israel, including 10 commandments. And if children of Israel transgressed one or, or several of these laws, it was a sin. They had to bring uh, sacrifice. But also, um, you know, there were Gentiles who were not under this uh, Mosaic law. They were not under the Ten Commandments because Ten Commandments were given to the Jews and the Jews only. However, the scripture says in third chapter of uh, Romans, among other places, that all sinned and fell uh, short of the glory of Yahweh. So what happened with the Gentiles and what was uh, the sin? Uh, please go to Romans chapter two and start reading from verse 14. Romans 2 and 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. Right. And that's kind of this aspect, uh, you know, with, uh, of conscience I will uh, try to work with. Again, I have limited time. So, of course, you know, there are many things I will not be able to touch upon. But basically, the law, uh, the, there is a law of conscience in everyone who is in this world, there is a conscience within, which is also called like a quiet uh, 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 voice of God, people, uh, people, uh, or, or the small voice of God, people uh, call it. And uh, people uh, violate their conscience. And this um, uh, Mosaic law, which was given to children of Israel, and nobody was able to keep this Mosaic law. It's a reflection that uh, people without the Holy Spirit or without the help of the Creator, they uh, constantly violate their conscience. Um, uh, Rick, may I uh, share the screen, uh, please? Thank you. I think Dennis is using the screen. Oh, Dennis, okay, well, I, I see that I can share it. Thank you. So let me see. So do you see this uh, 
chart before? Yes, we do. So this is the person with the uh, conscience. Conscience kind of synonymous with the soul of the uh, person or mind of the person. And what's happening when uh, people are in the world, you know, the, and the satanic uh, spirit uh, is residing in people's uh, mind or, uh, and uh, it's um, uh, ruling the conscience of the people or violating the conscience of the people. And we can read the scriptures about it. And by the way, uh, Steve, because I don't see the class screen when uh, there is five minutes, if you can uh, just- Yeah, I'll just verbally tell you. Verbally tell me, I'll appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so the scripture said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So the heart and the conscience are synonymous. And we can also read in the first Timothy 4 and 2 uh, uh, that the spirit speaks expressively, uh, expressly that in the later times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And what did Mosaic law did? Did it do? anything uh, pertaining to the conscience, I'll just read the scripture down there in Hebrews 9 and 9, talking about the old covenant, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So the Mosaic law wasn't able to do anything with the conscience of the people. Now, if we read, uh, can somebody read from the screen? Uh, we read in Romans 7 uh, chapter, Paul is describing himself. Sure, uh, Romans 7 and 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present in me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not, it is no more that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of Yahweh after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So thank you. And this is the scripture when uh, the Christian ministers use to prove as they think that uh, even the believers uh, continue to sin. They say, look, this is Apostle Paul who had the Holy Spirit, who had a, a divine revelation, who wrote a lot of uh, spiritual uh, letters in the Bible. And he is divided. He is torn. He wants to do good, but he cannot do good. So 
and uh, and that's what's happened uh, you know with the everybody else so there is a fight of two natures as they explain uh, this scripture now it was revealed to dr kinley by the divine vision and revelation that uh, you know the whole uh, religious world is wrong really because in this scripture apostle paul is not describing his present state meaning he is writing with the holy spirit inside uh, him but he is describing his state and condition when he did not have the holy spirit yet but when he was under this old covenant and this state and condition uh, it's uh, you know the jews had it gentiles had it i cannot testify about yourself but i can talk about myself who was atheist uh, without any religion knowing the bible but i know that i was torn within myself because i knew that i not so it, it's bad to lie but uh, i had to do it just to protect myself or to get some kind of a advantages in uh, in my life so i am familiar with that now this is a end of the seventh chapter of romans when uh, apostle paul is asking o wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from the body of this death but then he is writing in the next chapter of romans 8 1 and 2 there is therefore now and dr kinley was stressing it now not then in seventh chapter but now after apostle paul had the holy spirit no condemnation to them which are in yashu the messiah who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in yashu the messiah has made me free from the law of sin and death so there is a big change uh, happened with apostle paul and uh, you know we if we had a similar experience after receiving the holy spirit we can testify that the same thing happened uh, with us now what are uh, the mistakes people uh, making about you know uh, yashus taking away uh, the sin and how uh, he is doing it so uh, we can know the truth what's really happening how um, he is taking away the satanic spirit by un understanding uh, the tabernacle pattern the tabernacle pattern of man is the spirit which be likened to the most holy place the soul which would be likened to the holy place and this spirit and the soul it's like a inner man sometimes is called he uh, it's uh, encompassed uh, in a or res resides in a physical body so man is the spirit uh, abstract soul intermediate and body concrete so what's happening that was already said you know the people uh, incarnated with one or many uh, some uh, there were some like legions of thousands of satanic spirits during Yahshua's time we know uh, incarnated by uh, with satanic spirit that's how we are uh, 
you know, growing up in this world under the influence of the satanic spirit. And this uh, satanic spirit, you know, is affecting our soul. And I'm just using the color and becomes satanic. And this uh, colorful scheme, blue is negative and red is positive. So what happens, you know, when we hear the true gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah being preached, the Holy Spirit is comes uh, in uh, us and he uh, casts out the satanic spirit from our uh, body and from our soul. And it starts affecting our soul. First, it's cleansing it from all this negativity. So it kind of becomes, you know, neutral, if you will. Of course, you know, uh, I mean, I'm kind of breaking it down, but it can happen instantaneously. And then it's important, it's influencing the soul in righteousness, as it was promised in uh, Jeremiah 31:31 or Ezekiel uh, 36 and 24, that he will put his spirit uh, in us, he will give us the new heart or new soul, and he will cause us to walk in his statues. Now, what is this Christian concept, which I just already talked about? The Christian concept is that there are two natures or two spirits in the body. There is a Holy Spirit kind of fighting for our soul within us and satanic spirit within us is fighting for our souls. And nobody is really winning because they are in our soul until we die. And one of the examples is uh, Romans seventh chapter, uh, the testimony of the apostle Paul. And what Dr. Kinley uh, explained to us that there is no two spirits in the body. There is one spirit, but there are two mysteries in operation. And uh, the Holy Spirit uh, and satanic spirit do not reside uh, in the body. It's either one or another one. If the, when the Holy Spirit comes, it uh, uh, casts out the satanic spirit and it uh, doesn't come back because the person is, when the person is sealed with the Holy Spirit, because when the person is sealed, you know, you nothing else can uh, come uh, to the soul. So spirit, soul, and the body, according to the tabernacle pattern. There is another concept which uh, uh, some people may be familiar with. So they uh, change the uh, structure of the tabernacle. They say there is a body within a body. And this uh, negative uh, threefold entity is satanic spirit, carnal soul, and they call it spiritual body. And uh, what needs to be, uh, and this is a threefold, it's called threefold negative entity. So what uh, has to happen is that threefold negative entity, and that's who people are, 
the negative entity or satanic uh, spirit incarnated that has to be cast out from the uh, physical body and it has to be replaced by the as as it's called birth son which is the holy spirit the righteous soul and uh, the spiritual body so uh, so that's the uh, concept in uh, you know uh, some people are, are familiar with so how can we show that this um, concept is uh, erroneous well first we show that it's really doesn't go to this tabernacle pattern that's one second let's uh, uh, take the example of Yasho casting out demons from the people. And let's see how it works. Uh, please read someone, uh, Mark, uh, chapter 5, and uh, start reading verses from 1 to 4. And then please finish when you finish verse 4. Mark 5 and 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, or because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. Thank you. So we're not. So we see the man who was possessed with the satanic spirit. So according to this uh, theory, which we are uh, considering, so he had this threefold uh, negative. Uh, entity. Now, yeah, we we read further that Yashu is coming uh, to cast out uh, this um, uh, uh, satanic spirit, and the spirit is uh, this demon uh, is saying, uh, "Just spare us and uh, find some uh, pigs or swine, and just uh, uh, let us uh, incarnate in this uh, swine," and that's what uh, happened. Uh, please uh, continue reading, starting. I'm just skipping other verses for the sake of time. Uh, from verse uh, 13, 5 and 13. 13. And forthwith, Yahshua gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Yahshua and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, that's important. So this man from whom these uh, uh, demons were cast out, he was sitting in the sound mind. 
Now, mm -hmm. Dr. Kinley was saying that the mind and the soul are synonymous. So according to this... Um, Sasha, five minutes. Thank you. Excellent. According to uh, this uh, train of thought with this threefold negative uh, entity, all this threefold negative entity was cast out. But what was in there? What was the sound mind which remained with the physical body? What actually animated this physical body? So there is no answer to this question if we uh, view uh, this particular doctrine. But with uh, uh, another doctrine, we un uh, understand that you know, the satanic um, uh, spirit is uh, cast out and uh, the person still have the spirit, the soul, which doesn't have the Holy Spirit yet in them, but there is a spirit, the spirit is the uh, living part, is a Yahweh uh, part or Yahweh's spirit, which animates um, everyone, you know, in the world. So uh, I have uh, like three minutes left. Let's take another example because we are uh, instructed to go to the law and to the prophets, to the examples, uh, because they helped us understand which um, uh, doctrine is the correct one. Now, the children of uh, Israel, when they came out of uh, Egypt, uh, and uh, so they came into the wilderness. And we know that uh, Satan and his host were uh, uh, kind of destroyed, were drowned in the Red Sea, but the satanic spirit was still incarnated in the children of Israel and they were murmuring against Yahweh. They disobeyed uh, Yahweh. And uh, so it was happening, but what, uh, what, happened for the children of Israel. The old generation died in the wilderness and it was replaced by the new uh, generation. So it's showing the same uh, seed or the same DNA, if you will, or pretty much it's pointing out to the same uh, soul being uh, changed, being uh, converted. Now in Canaan's land, which is the type of heaven, there were other tribes, like there were Canaanites, there were Jebusites, and so forth. And they would represent, because it's Canaan's land or most holy place um, in the uh, pattern, so they would uh, represent like righteous angels or birthed sons, if you will. So if Yahweh wanted to tell us that it's, it's a replacement by this threefold negative entity, by the uh, righteous angel or the birth son, he would have cast out this or uh, uh, killed the children of Israel and replaced them with Jebusites to continue on into the Canaan's land. But he didn't do that. So I just want to show you on the, um, given these two examples of erroneous uh, doctrine, how valuable is it for us uh, to have you know, this class and not just have a blind belief 
that Dr. Kinney had a divine vision and revelation, and therefore we have to trust it. But he instructed us to prove it by the witnesses. And we now he gave us tools so we can use these witnesses and uh, be sure that Yahweh is salvation and to understand how this salvation is accomplished. With that, my time is up. Um, thank you for your attention and all praise and glory be to Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker will please be the Dean of the Oceanside California School, Dr. Dennis Volpe. I want to say good evening and make sure that everybody can hear me okay. Good evening. Great. Uh, let's see her. Now I've got to get back the screen. Let's see. Let's see if this works. Okie dokie. There we go. Well, I want to I want to work with a couple of things that were in the scripture reading tonight uh, that I thought needs to be uh, maybe broken down a little bit. Now, in our scripture reading, let me go over there and get into my Bible here on my phone. Paul is talking about uh, he in the during the the scripture reading he brings up the point that they would say to him. Uh, with what body uh, do people resurrect? And so he begins to explain the resurrection. And he begins to explain and draw a contrast between the natural body and a spiritual body. And it's very important to understand some of these things in order to follow uh, how this fits the purpose. Now, I'll start out by saying this that Yahweh is not concerned, and I don't want you to get the wrong idea about what I'm going to say. He's not concerned about your physical body. He is concerned about your soul or your inner man. Now, the physical body obviously will at some point break down and we're all going to die. It's that simple. These, these bodies are not made to last forever. The soul, however, is something completely different. And the purpose that Yahweh set up down through the Law and the Prophets, he set up a purpose where everything was manifested or demonstrated from a natural standpoint. Uh, one of our scriptures that we used to call the theme song uh, of, the, of our teaching was Romans 1, 19 and 20. And to cut it up short, it means that the natural things are pointing to something spiritual. Now, the natural things, ladies and gentlemen, are going to be done away with. But the things of the Spirit are not going to be done away with. So it's important that we focus on the spiritual things and not get so worried about the physical things. Now, in Romans 8, 6, Paul says to be carnally minded. Now, the word minded means that you are paying a lot of attention and minding to things that go along with the physical or your flesh. He said, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, when we talk about, uh, uh, Sasha just got up here and talked about the mind and the soul, uh, that the mind is an aspect or a part of the soul, which is absolutely correct. 
Now what Yahweh is doing is he's coming in here for the intent to save your soul. Not your physical body. And to draw that point even further, when the Messiah comes in and begins his ministry, many of the Jews of that day believed that the Messiah's job was going to be to come in and kick out the Romans and make Israel the strongest and mightiest nation in the world. And when the Messiah didn't do that, there were those that didn't believe that he was truly the right the Messiah, that he was the one that uh, Elohim sent, because they thought that it was all about the saving of the flesh and the saving of the nation and the kingdom of Israel. Now, Yahshua goes on to talk about the soul, and he says, What profiteth a man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, this is what the focus of Yahweh's purpose is, is for the saving of a soul. Now, why? Because a body can be replaced. You have a physical body, and it's going to be replaced with a spiritual body, and that was in our scripture reading tonight. Now, what I want you to know is the spirit of Yahweh is the source from which everything that exists was made from, or created from, including your soul. Now, Yahweh inhabits eternity. Eternity means that it is everlasting. And yet we talk about having eternal life, everlasting, and we talk about immortality, which is, uh, get, if, oh, I'm asking somebody to get it, and I'm the one that's running the charts. Pardon me. <laughs> Anyhow. Now, uh, let me figure out here. i got to blow this up a little bit. Now, what we see here is we're in the present kingdom age, and of course, Dr. Kinley had us change that to the present kingdom age of grace. And we have a kingdom age after this one. But this one is in immortality. Now, I want to talk about there is a distinction between eternity and immortality, and I want you to know the difference. Now, eternity means everlasting, and we know that Yahweh's spirit, which is an eternal spirit, is everlasting. We know that your soul is made from something that's everlasting, that is to say, from spirit. However, you also have to understand how does immortality work with this eternal substance. Now, what we have to recognize, first of all, is that immortality, by definition in Strong's means, not corruptible, which means it's incapable of being corrupted. Now, uh, I want you to run over for a minute. I think it's in Timothy, 2 Timothy, the 6th chapter, I'm, I'm guessing. Let me see if I can find it. All right, let's see if that one's got... No, it's 1 Timothy, I think. The sixth chapter. And I'm going to go down to 10. I don't know if that's the right verse. I'm just going to start there. Let's see. Let's start at 12, if you don't mind. 
Sure. Uh, First Timothy, Timothy six and twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, now let's just stop right there for a minute. Well, we talk about lay hold on eternal life. I want you to understand that Yahweh has a different definition of what constitutes life and what constitutes death than you do in a carnally minded state. We think life and death is a the the uh, the cessation of your existence. You think that death, and you think life is that you're still walking around, breathing and thinking and all that. That's how we look at life and death from a carnal standpoint. Now that's not what Yahweh looks at because he's looking at the spiritual reality of what he is. Uh, uh, his purpose is for the purpose of bringing about a state of eternal life to those that he has foreordained unto salvation. Now here's what Yahweh defines as life. Well, first of all, let me define I think I'm going to go with death first, and then that will help me bounce over to life. Now, when Adam was in the Garden of Eden, let me let me pull this up on the chart. Uh, i got to find the elementary chart. Let's see if this is it right here. Let's see if I can expand this. Now, when Adam was created in the Garden of Eden, we know that in the book of Genesis, Yahweh told Adam, he said to him, that in the day that you eat of the fruit of that tree, you shall surely die. Now, Dr. Kinley posed this question. He said, now, Adam ate that fruit, and yet he lived for 930 years after the time that he ate that fruit, which he said is obviously a far cry from dying the day that he ate it. Now, Doc said that would be true if, the, if, if what Doc, Yahweh was talking about, that his physical body, when he ate the fruit, was just going to drop, fall on the ground, stop breathing, no heartbeat, and any of those kind of things that we look at that constitutes death. But what he said was this, that the man died in his soul when he partook of that fruit. What the death was, that he received condemnation because of his disobedience. That is a state of death that is consistent with that the word immortal means non-corruptible. Adam's soul was corrupted by that satanic angel, and so was Eve. Their soul was what was corrupted, became mortal or corruptible. Therefore, the death was within the man not the outside of the man. Now, the death that occurred 930 years later of his physical body was the manifestation of what had already transpired within his soul the moment he ate that fruit of that tree. And Dr. Kinley talked about that what we have to do is we have to pick the man up from where he died. Now, when you first hear that, if you don't understand what he's talking about, you think, well, what do you mean? we got to go over and find the Garden of Eden and uh, resurrect somebody over there in that Garden of Eden over there somewhere in the Middle East? No, where he died was within his conscience. So what the man has to be have happen is he has to be raised 
from that state of condemnation right within his own heart and mind or his soul. Well, away from that state of condemnation. Now, talking about life now. Now, we know that life in reality is for you to have that spirit of Yahshua impregnated into your soul. And that it creates a state within the soul that is much different than what the soul was like when it was in captivity to the mystery of iniquity that, that uh, uh, Sasha had just got up and, and broke it down for you and tried to show you those examples. Now, what I want you to realize is that before we come down to this class, we have a condemned heart and conscience, whether, we're, whether we want to admit it or not, and we have been corrupted by the mystery of iniquity to violate our conscience and to think it's okay in some cases. In other cases, maybe we feel remorse. But nevertheless, we were our soul was in a mortal state from a spiritual standpoint. Now, I want you to go back over. You read 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Eternal life is for you to be in a state of righteousness, peace, and joy in Yahshua. That is what the kingdom is. And Yahshua came to translate us into the kingdom. Or in other words, Yahweh really translated us, as it says in Colossians, the first chapter, we have been translated into the kingdom of our dear son, of his dear son, excuse me. And so what I want you to see is your soul, until it is translated into this kingdom, you are in a state of jeopardy by the mystery of iniquity. To be eternally, eternally dead. Now you're dead by virtue of the fact that you have sinned and violated your conscience and, have, and are ignorant of Yahweh and not conscious of him. That is a state of death of the soul. And you can remain in that state unless you are taken or delivered from the power of darkness and brought into the light of Yahweh as he actually is and truthfully exists and his great love and kindness and mercy towards us. That is going to bring life to the soul. Now, it's done through the words that Yahweh is expressing through Yahshua the Messiah that he's speaking through those the, see as it says over there back there in the, in the law it says man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of Yahweh now Yahshua said he was the bread that came down from heaven that if a man eat thereof he shall never die now we have to have the bread of life in us that bread of life is the words of Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah that are spoken that illuminate our consciousness to a higher level and bring us above the state of able to be corrupted. In other words, to make us incorruptible. That is the true resurrection of the soul. That is the true resurrection that the natural one is pointing to. Now, keep reading there. Uh, uh, from 12, read 12 again and read down further. Sure. First uh, Timothy 6 and 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Keep reading. 
I give thee charge in the sight of Yahweh, who quickeneth all things, and before Yahshua the Messiah. Now listen, he used the word quickeneth. The word quickeneth, or quicken, means to make alive. That means there's got to be something dead. You can't quicken something that's already alive. Because quicken means life-giving, or to give life. And if somebody's already alive... Uh, you don't go over there uh, walking down the street and somebody all of a sudden passes out, but their heart is fine, their breathing is fine, and you start performing CPR on them and then say, well, you brought them back to life. Well, they weren't dead, really. Not if everything was fine with their heart. And their maybe they just had a little lapse of uh, lightheadedness, or maybe a reaction to a drug that they're taking that caused them to pass out, but they weren't really at death's doorstep. They hadn't stopped breathing or any of those things. So when you when you look at the example that when somebody goes in there, and it was just on the news the other night that a policeman had to go in to a house where a child had stopped breathing and he was able to do pediatric C, CPR on that child and bring that child back. It was not breathing, was motionless. For all intent and purpose, you would say that child was dead, and he brought him back. Now, in the same regard, when you walk in class, you need some CPR. You need somebody to breathe into your soul the breath of life and somebody to affect your heart to make it beat. That is to say, to be on the beat of Yahweh's divine purpose and plan. And that's what we're doing in class. We're performing CPR on you when you walk in the door. Now, Adam died right there in his heart and in his conscience, and that's where the man has to be picked up again, according to Dr. Kinley. Not at the tree, but inside his own soul. So Yahshua has to come in, and he's going to have to cause you to start, as it were, feeling and understanding and loving this gospel. That's, that's, that's how we're working on the heart. And the Holy Spirit has to enter into you. That's why we have the association on the day of Pentecost of a mighty rushing wind, rushing wind, excuse me, no offense, Sasha, a mighty rushing wind uh, is analogous to the breath of life that was breathed into Adam when he was first created and brought him to life. And then we have that analogy manifested there on the day of Pentecost where the wind comes in. And remember, before that happened, Yahshua breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to breathe on you, into your soul, the words of eternal life by the foolishness of preaching. And it is life to the soul. And it translates you into the kingdom where you can be in a state of peace and joy and righteousness in your heart through the gift of the Holy Spirit that is given unto you by mercy and grace. Now, I said all that because I want you to recognize this. Keep reading down further. I'm, I'm watching my clock very closely, and I have to cut things up because I can't explain everything and break it down as much as is possible because of the time element. Keep reading. Who, before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good confession? Verse 14, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Right. Keep reading. Verse 15, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate. 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 The King of Kings and the Master of Lord Masters. Of 
Master of Masters. Or rulers of rulers, either one. Read. Verse 16. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto? Now listen. He said the only one that is immortal, that his immortality, is Yahshua the Messiah. Nobody, no angels, no man is immortal. What does that mean? Until that spirit of Yahshua enters into you, you are corruptible. You are capable of being corrupted by the mystery of iniquity to cause you, to cause your soul to uh, not be able to accept the gospel or believe in the gospel. And of course, we know that Yahweh has purposed these things, and we know that uh, that the devil is going to he's going to take souls with him to the lake of fire. We know that. Now, what I want you to realize is is that immortality lies in Yahshua. He is the only one that has ever come forth in this purpose, whose soul was perfect before Yahweh, because he was the possessor of the divine attributes, tempered and measured that expresses the nature of Yahweh in pure spirit, and he is the only one that is deemed righteous. There is none righteous except Yahshua, and nobody has immortality but Yahshua. Now, I was talking about that age. I'm going to cut back over there real quick to that chart. That uh, Let's see, where was it again? i got to find it. Uh, what did I do with that chart? Okay, there we go. I lost the chart. There we go. Thank you. Now, in this age that we call the fifth age, the age of immortality, that is because in this age, the fourth age, we have the day of Pentecost that took place right down here in the beginning. Now, Pentecost is right here, and we see spirit law written in here. And it's the spiritual kingdom on earth. Now, what's happening on the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit impregnates the soul and that is his divine nature that literally is spirit law. When Paul said, and, and, I, and I know that, that Sasha was working with the seventh chapter of Romans, where Paul was talking about his condition before he had his vision and revelation, how that he wouldn't do the things that he sh knew he should do, and the things he knew he shouldn't do, those things he did. And, and he recognized that he, there was a war going on inside of him, and he says further down in that chapter, or further up in that chapter from where we read, or where Sasha pointed out, he said that I had not known sin except the law said thou shalt not covet. So that the law caused sin to become exceedingly sinful. Now Yahweh gave that law to point out the lack of righteousness in every man or every human. And that your nature, your very nature, was contrary to the law, and therefore you were not capable of pleasing him or being acceptable in that state. Now that sets up the necessity for the Messiah to come in and cause a change to take place in your nature, which is your soul. Now what he has to do is he has to imbue his spirit, impregnate the soul with his words, with his wisdom, with his intelligence, his knowledge, his love, those attributes are being formed in you, and you are quickened. When the gospel was first preached, 
I won't say first, when it was preached at the, at the point where Yahweh caused something to be affected in the heart, in your heart, deep down inside of you, and opened up something that you completely could understand that really made you recognize that, yes, there truly is a creator, and yes, it is possible for me to be changed or born again after the Spirit. Now, when that spirit enters into a person and that nature begins to take hold and to form in you, you have now passed from death unto life or you were quickened by the foolishness of preaching. And that quickening, ladies and gentlemen, is now able to cause you to become a member of the body of Yahshua. Now watch, you're translated into the kingdom. Now the kingdom, remember, is righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? in Yahshua or in the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to run over real quick now. Um, find me, I think it's John 14 where he talks about I'm the vine. It's uh, John 15 and 1. Oh, okay, thank you. Let's go over there and pick up that uh, uh, discussion about the vine. John 15 and 1. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Now watch, he's talking about the vine as the I'm going to use for all intent purposes, to, for lack of being able to give you a better terminology. It's the trunk that's coming up from the ground that the branches then spring off of. Now, Yahshua is the trunk that is grounded in Yahweh, who is in pure spirit, where just as in a natural tree, the, the, the sap and all the nutrients from the ground come up through the trunk and then is dispersed and dispensed, I guess is a better word, through the branches so that they can bear fruit. Now, in the same way, Yahshua is the trunk. He has his roots in the Father, in Yahweh, and all of the revelation and goodness of the divine nature are going to come through that vine, and it's going to then feed the branches. Keep reading. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Mm -hmm. And right and every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, every branch that's in him that bears fruit is going to have to be purged. Purge means, uh, another term is uh, for it is pruned. And you know that the word prune means to be anointed. Now, what I want you to know is, is that we have to be chastened. Every one of us are chastised. That's Yahweh's way of purging us and pruning us so that we'll bear more fruit. And chastisement is a correction, not a beating, not him wailing on you, but correcting you in your understanding and in your wisdom and all other aspects that are going to reflect the divine nature. Now, what I want you to see is this. There is a thing called the graft or grafting. And what happens when they graft a branch into a tree is they put a slice on the side of the, 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 the vine and they take the branch and cut it at an angle and fit it into that slice and then they wrap it around and bind it so that the tree accepts that branch as its own and forms connections and starts feeding it with the sap that is coming up through the main trunk into that branch. Now, what I want you to know is until you are grafted into the body of Yahshua, which is what's happening, you're adopted. Now, an adoption and a, graphic, and, and a grafting is a principle the same thing. 
Now, when you're grafted into the body of Yahshua, you become a member of that vine. You are part of the vine now. You are uh, a part of that tree. I want you to know that since Yahshua only has immortality, which means to not able to be corrupted, you, when you are grafted in, also receive immortality through that branch or that, that vine, so that you, as a part of his body, are no longer able to be overcome and corrupted by the mystery of iniquity. And that is your immortality, the inability to be corrupted. And yet, you now have also grafted into the eternal spirit of Yahweh's divine attributes and nature by you being a member of the body of Yahshua. So we are in an everlasting state of righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, Dr. Kinley talked about this. He said, what we have is an immortal soul now when you receive the Holy Spirit. When I say immortal, I mean a soul that is no longer capable of being corrupted by the mystery of iniquity. Once you have the Holy Spirit, it is permanent in this age, and you cannot lose it. And what I want you to know is once you are in this state, what happens now is we have an imbalance. And what is the imbalance? And really, it is a balance. It, it depends on how you apply this. Because uh, as Doc used to say, it is, and then again, it isn't. Well, there's an imbalance in this respect. We have an eternal soul now. A soul now that is immortal or not able to be corrupted that is abiding within a physical or mortal body. He says, now we got to fix that. He says, at the end of the age, we have to take off this body and leave it behind. It will be dissolved, and you will receive an immortal glorified body or a body that is also eternal and cannot be corrupted. It's non-corruptible. And that is what we have. That is our inheritance, which is also a glorified body. I don't know about any of you, but my body ain't very glorious. I'll tell you that right now. You know, especially as we get older in the years, we can't do things we used to do. We don't have the strength, the stamina, you know, all of these things that changes that take place as we age. Now, the body that we're going to receive can never deteriorate. It can never grow old and therefore be incapable. It will never be anything but beautiful and glorious through Yahshua the Messiah. We are getting an inheritance, ladies and gentlemen, that's coming up very soon. There's going to be no pain, no suffering, no sadness. All we're going to experience from this point forward, once we come up past this line here, and I'm going to point to this line right here, this is the line of the consummation. This is the end of the Five minutes, age. Dennis. Thank you. Okay, got that. This is the end of this age. And until the consummation comes, we are still in the fourth age with a material, mortal body. And at this point where the Yahshua universally appears that will close out this fourth age and usher in an age of immortality and a state of glorification at his appearance, that is what we have in the fifth age, is immortality that will go on into the new earth state, the new heaven and new earth state that has been prepared for us. That's why it reads down here in the seventh dispensation, kingdom in immortality. 
can never be corrupted or made uh, to have faults that uh, will cause us not to be, uh, as it were, uh, acceptable to Yahweh. Everything about us will be a, uh, it will be said of all in all of us because we are a member of Yahshua. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I'm talking about you and me because we are members of his body. And so there is a difference in the aspects, in the purpose of what eternity is and what immortality is. I wanted to draw that to your attention. Uh, I'm sorry I had to cut it up a little bit, but I want to go to this uh, down back to our scripture reading for a minute. Well, wait a minute. I want you to finish that last verse, uh, 15. I, was it six, 16? 16, please. And... <laughs> In First, First Timothy, Timothy? 6.16. Yeah. Okay. Uh, First Timothy 6.16. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see. Now that light is Yahweh himself the Father. Yahshua dwells in the bosom of Yahweh. He dwells in the light that you can't approach unto that, and you can't even see it. No man has seen Yahweh at any time. And Dr. Kinley said it like this in the transcript called Explanation of the Godhead. He says, you can't see Yahweh, nor any man can, but Yahshua dwells in the bosom of Yahweh. He sees him, and he will declare him unto you. That's what we have to recognize. Keep Finish that out. Uh, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Hallelujah. That's right. And so that's what we have to understand. We have to understand that all things, all things are, it's absolutely, there's no way, just like Yahshua said over there, uh, where he talked about how he was the, the shepherd, the good shepherd. He talks about on there, and I'm the door, and any man that thinks he can go back, I'm putting it my words, and go past me uh, to the Father, he's a liar, and he's a thief. He's the only entry into the Father. He's the only one that sees the Father. He's the only one that knows the Father. Therefore, you have to be in him to know Yahweh. And that's why Yahweh brought us into existence to start with, that he might express to us and make something known of, of himself to us. He desired to bring forth creatures to manifest his great kindness and love to, and that he might make himself known to us in part. That's the purpose, ladies and gentlemen. It's being accomplished through Yahshua the Messiah. And he is the salvation of your soul because he has the power to convert you, to cause you to become a new creature and to take on the divine nature, which Paul taught, uh, Peter talks about over in 1 Peter, the first chapter, that we might be partakers of the divine nature. So I hope that made sense. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity to express it, and I'm going to hand it back to the moderator. Peace and Yashua to all. Thank you for joining us this evening. The Madison class holds Zoom class every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and we hope that you will join us again. A quick reminder to please stay muted until the live stream has ended. Now we'll be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Yahweh, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, 
be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah.